Hey, how you doing? This is the floor warden for Hey Keenan. Take 11. Hey, no running in the halls. In this take, take 11 of Hey Keenan, I answer the question, what would I tell my younger self 25 years ago? And why LinkedIn is the new business suit of the 21st century. This is going to be a good one. people welcome back to hey keenan take 11 what's going on folks i'm excited this is going to be a good day kiki how you doing girl we ready for a new one i'm fantastic yes i am i have to be a little short so i have to stand up <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good show i'm excited or a good take i'm gonna i want to stick on the take we got take 11 take 12 next time i'm gonna stay on the takes um we got to talk about today. We got a couple good topics. We got a secret. Oh, I'm super excited. We got a secret clandestine project we're working on. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, Y'all will see that in the next week, if not earlier. So stay tuned. You may you may even see that before this gets out, actually. So you may see it, and then you'll know what it was when you see the show. Um, let me see what else. Oh, my summer project. So those of you who have been following me, my summer project hashtag. Go check it out. Uh, I'm trying to throw a mute grab 360, and I hit, uh, I took it from the tramp. So those of you who have been following me, I was doing tramp work. Now I took it from the trampoline, and I went down an indoor ski jump ramp, and that was crazy cool. I got the 360 part right, so we're halfway there, but the mute grab is not easy. Getting down and grabbing those skis is tough, but uh, I'm getting closer. I got, what do I got, four months. Four months before, I, is that right? August, something like three and a half, four months before I have to actually do it on snow. So stay tuned, my summer project. Other people have been following that hashtag and doing their own My Summer Projects, which has been really cool, huh, Keek? Mm -hmm. That's been really cool. Yes, so um, uh, if you have a summer project, tell us about it. Update us. Shannon Pang, I know you've been working on yours, and good for you. I think you're making progress. Kiki here has lost 14 pounds. 15 pounds. 15 pounds <laughs> on her summer project. Good for you, sister. Yes. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Yeah, good for Keek. We love that. So if you've got a Buy Summer project and you've been working on it, let us know. Keep us up to date. It's been a great experience, and uh, I'm, I'm having fun. So, all right, I think that's our, I think that's the kickoff today. It's, it's been a, an interesting week, that's for sure. It's been a crazy week, right, Max? Indeed. Yes, it's been a crazy week. Been ups and downs of the world of business. We just got out of a trough. We turned it today, just closed a new piece of business. Excited for that. Hello. Boom, boom. So things are, we're having fun, as always, here at ASG. All right, so let's just jump into the take. Uh, Kiki, first question. Our first question came from Salesman Red on the Twitters. He says, if you could go back in time and speak with your younger self, what would be the one piece of advice that you'd give him to make him better at sales? Man, you know, that is a, a phenomenal question. Um, and, you, you know, there's so many things. You know, Rod Stewart had that song, right? If I know now, what, if I knew then what I know now, right? Is that how it went? Um, if I knew now when I was old, what I knew now when I was older. When I was older, if I knew what I know now. When I was older, that's it, that's the song. There's so many things. 
that I, I, would, I would do differently, but this is gonna kind of freak people out. When it comes to sales, I don't know there's a whole lot I would tell myself now. Because I started gravitating to sales at such a young age that although I didn't know what I was doing and I couldn't give it a name, much of what made me successful right out of the gate when I was a sales guy is what I'm teaching now. So my discovery in selling for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, wasn't learning sales. I knew that. I knew sales, and I'll tell you a, kind of a funky story about that, but I knew sales as a little kid, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. And when I got into sales in a, a career, what I started doing was giving a name to many of the things that I was doing already. So some people have a proclivity for certain things and, and people have proclivity for other things. Mine just happened to be sales right out of the gate. My aunt Carolyn used to say, you're nothing but a salesman. And she was right. And I was 12 years old when she was saying that. And she was right. So looking back, I don't know if there's anything I would have told myself. Um, I think I might have been able to, I would go back and say, hey, Jim, this is what this is what you're doing right now. This is called this. I remember I had a, my very first sales manager, great guy, uh, uh, Richard, and he, I had been working for less than, oh God, six months at the Chamber of Commerce, and I was starting to beat the guys who'd been there two, three, four years uh, in, a, uh, in tenure. And I was starting to beat them. He was like, dude, you have a consultative selling approach. I'm like, what the hell is that? And he walked me through what a consultative selling approach was. I had never heard of it, but he told me that's what I was doing. Uh, and so I, I just was innate to me. And I'll tell you the funny story. The, first, the two stories, but I'll tell one of them. That when I knew I was a good salesperson, looking in hindsight, uh, <laughs> my mom, when I, okay, when I was, oh shit, 10 years old, 11 years old, maybe 12 at the max. I had a cousin, cousin Timmy. If you're watching this, dude, I don't even think you know this. My cousin Timmy was six or seven years older than me. So he was 18, 19, 20, something like that. And I went to his house for a family event and he had this room. This is early 80s, late 70s, mind you. He had this room that was just all disco-fied. It was, he had black lights and, and he had music mirror balls. And he, had, I mean, it was just straight up pimping 70s, 80s club studio 54. And as an impressionable kid, I was like, oh, oh, I want that, I want that. So for my birthday, I asked for one of those little little uh, lights that had like these little filament, I don't know if you remember those from the 70s, a little filament and they made a little ball and the lights came out in different colors and I asked for a, a mirror ball and I asked for black lights and I had velvet posters of panthers climbing up the wall. My room was decked out. But somewhere along the line, and we could debate the whole social ramifications of this. Somewhere along the line, I got the idea that I needed naked chicks on the wall too. I needed Playboy pictures on the wall. So I had to figure out how I could ask my mom to let me put Playboy centerfold pictures on my walls. Now, never mind have to convince her where I would get them. That was never even an issue. Just get permission. So I remember processing this in my head. How am I going to do this? And my mom was a super super liberal lady and she was all about personal choice and development of a human being and expression and I had listened to her tapes like Jonathan Livingston Siegel and her, going to her churches and I knew what she was all about. So of course when I sat down to, to, to tell this I said mom I, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I can still remember this to this day. I said mom I want to talk to you. I'm getting older now. <laughs> right? I'm starting to be, I'm close to being a teenager and I really want to express myself and be my own man and, and develop in, you know, begin to have my own identity. Now this is a 10, 11, 12 year old kid telling him on this. And she goes, okay, I think that's great. And I said, well, you saw what I've done with my room. And she said, yes, I think it's pretty cool. I said, well, I'd like to have 
Playboy pictures on the wall as well. And she was like, what? And I'm like, mom, it's my room. I'm learning to express myself. This is my way of growing into a man. And I don't know what else I said, but man, I, you should have seen the look on my face. When she sat there and she stared at me for a second, she goes, all right, that's fair. I couldn't believe it. So needless to say, my room was the most popular fucking room in all of middle school or fifth grade or whatever you're in at that time. Oh my God. I ha I, it was funny. What's most memorable about this whole thing isn't the chicks on the wall. I couldn't even tell you what they looked like, who they were. What was memorable was the fact that she said yes. So I told you the song story because I learned to sell at such a young age. I knew it was about tapping into the needs of the people I was talking about, talking to, and not about what I want, but what do they need or what do they want to make the decision. And I learned that so young, so young. So a long answer to the question is, I wouldn't tell myself anything. Many of the things that I learned, I needed to learn. So I wouldn't want to avoid any of that stuff. And the other stuff that I already knew, Probably the only thing I would say is here is what it's called. I would have come back and give it a name. Jim, you're consultative selling. Jim, you're focusing on future state versus current state. Jim, you're engaged in business problems, not features functions. I'd probably just giving them all labels. But other than that, I needed to learn. I needed to stubble my toe. I needed to make mistakes. And much of what I was doing was innate. So I, I think that's my answer. I don't think it's what people wanted to hear, but this is one of the few cases I, I wouldn't go back and say too much to myself. I don't know. That's a crazy story, though, isn't it, Max? Indeed. What would your mom have said? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You, you uh, customized your speech to your audience. <laughs> oh, yeah, bang, right? Exactly. I yeah. knew, Kiki just said, I knew my audience. I knew who I was talking to. So I had to build a presentation that appealed to their needs, their desires, and what was important to them. It wasn't about me. Even though at the end of the day it was about me, it wasn't about me. It was about them. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. I mean, I was always selling stuff as a kid. I was a kid, we had, oh my God, we had, uh, I redid my whole entire basement into a, a haunted house. And, I mean, we had this whole thing gigged out. There were a couple of these little rooms in the basement that had these windows in them. So we shut the windows and, and, and I mean, shut the doors and you could just look through the window. And we'd have people jump out. And I convinced my um, uh, my parents to buy dry ice and so we had all this dry ice going on. I charged all the kids in the neighborhood. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Took, my dad took all the dry ice, put it in a big bucket. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then there was no dry ice left. I, I'll never forget it. Dad, that still pisses me off today. You ruined my haunted house because you had to see the dry ice and you used it all. But anyways, yeah. I was constantly selling shit when I was a kid. It was crazy. So, uh, yeah. What do they say? Um, do what you're good at. I just... Say, I was born with it, I guess. Just always selling. So, all right. Next question. Okay. Our next question comes from Nicole Graves. And she's referencing a blog post that you wrote back in March about how um, your LinkedIn profile is your new suit. So are you a JCPenney or are you an Armani? And her question is, if I don't have a presence currently, what do I have? She doesn't have a suit. Exactly. It's naked. It says naked. Yeah. Up? All right. All right. Great question, Nicole. I love this question. But I want to do a little historical rewind to sort of set the frame for this question because really you were referencing my post, J.C. Penny versus Armani suit. Where, where did that that metaphor even come from? Have you ever taken a look at the closet in old homes? Been in a hundred-year-old home and looked at the closet? They're like this big. 
Why are they this big? They're this big because no one had any clothes. Like, we, we didn't buy the freaking outfit for every occasion. I got tennis shoes for tennis. I got running shoes for run. I got Reebok shoes for freaking, uh, whatever that is, racquetball. I've got basketball shoes and basketball. I got my Sunday shoes, Wednesday shoes, Sunday shoes. I got my boots, my shorts, my open toes, my closed toes. I mean, Jesus, we have so much stuff. Back then, they didn't have that. If you were well-to-do and you were the educated class, you had a little more than other people, but you had a couple suits, you had a couple pairs of uh, work clothes, and that's about it. That's all you needed. People wore the same stuff over and over. Washing was a pain in the butt. They had to do that scrub stuff, or it was expensive. Not everybody had a washing machine. They had to dry it out, so it was a whole different world. But out of that world came the idea that if you had a suit, it marked class delineation. And so that first impression when you walked in a nice suit, they, that told people that you were educated, you both probably went to college, you're well-to-do, versus the person who didn't have a good suit or a nice suit or a clean suit. Well, that moved its way. That was through the eight, late early 1900s, 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, started to see it change in the 50s. And then the 60s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s, it didn't mark uh, class delineation. It did mark jobs, blue collar versus white collar, but everybody had suits, but not everybody had good suits, right? Not everybody was that dialed in. And what happened is we kept making impressions based on how people were dressed. So we still do it today, but that's all we had back then. All we had was a resume. We'd get a resume, we'd read it, right? But then we wouldn't know anything about you. We wouldn't have a picture attached, unless you're in real estate with the, on your business card, but so we didn't know what you look like. There's no way to find out. So we have this whole impression of who somebody is in a resume, and then they walk through the door and impression sent. And so the value of walking through back in the day in that nicely tailored J.C. Penny suit, uh, yeah, right, I messed it up, nicely tailored Armani suit was a big deal, right? It said something, right? It delivered that first impression. Whether it was fake or not isn't the point. It nailed or solidified the first impression. And those who couldn't make it didn't do as well. Well, now we have digital impressions. We have digital suits, and that is LinkedIn. And as you, in your questions, you recognize it's so important. Right now, if you have less than 500 uh, connections, if you have just a resume attached to it, if you have just a description of your jobs, if you don't have a good summary, if you don't have recommendations, if you don't have any of that stuff, then you don't have, you have a JCPenney. That, that's a JCPenney suit at best. Now let's think about this. Because of these digital impressions, what do we all do now when we want to meet somebody? We go to Google. Right? That's what we do. We go to Google and we search. And we don't find anything, we go to LinkedIn and see what we can find. We want to know people before we meet them. We want to get as much information as possible. So that gives us the opportunity to, just like back in the old days, going and getting a badass custom tailored suit, it gives you the ability to create a custom tailored LinkedIn profile that drives your value, that tells people who you are. So your question was, how do you do that? If you got a JCPenney suit now, if you don't have 500 connections, if you don't have references, if you don't have recommendations, if you don't have a good summary, if you're not participating in groups, if you don't have content attached, it's weak. And you're sending a weak message. So this is what you can do. It doesn't take a long time. Set yourself a goal. 60 days, let's go with 60 days. In the next 60 days, I want you to do these things. Day one, I want you to figure out your brand and identity. So don't touch LinkedIn. Sit down with a piece of paper and ask yourself, what makes you a badass X? What is it you do, okay? What makes you better than everybody else? What do you deliver? How and why should somebody hire you? That's what I want you to do. That's your value proposition. Once you nail that value proposition, I want you to do the summary. Day two, do the summary. And the summary should talk about the value you bring to people, right? It shouldn't be about uh, what you've done in the past and what you want or you're looking for something. No, it should be about what you deliver.
Okay? Summary, your value proposition to employers and people like that. Okay? Day three, I want you to do the whole resume piece, right? You post your jobs. We got to do it. It's part of the, I get it. You got to do it. They want to see it. So put the jobs in there. But underneath the responsibility part, I want you to flip the script a little. I want you to use only action words. Okay, I don't want responsible for, managed, oversaw, engaged with. I don't want any of that crap. I don't care. What people care about is what you delivered. What did you bring to the table? So I want you to flip all those words to created, built, delivered, um, uh, sold, whatever, right? That's what I want. Action words, things that result in a tangible outcome. I want you to put it for all of those. What are the tangible outcomes that you delivered to all of your different jobs, okay? So that's day three. I'm gonna give you a little rest, spend some time thinking about it, but by day six, I want you to have gone through your entire contact list, and LinkedIn makes this easy, and I want you to reach out to everybody that's in your contact list, whether it's on paper, whether it's in your phone, whether it's in your Gmail account, I don't care where it is. Any person that you're emailing or is emailing you, any person that you have their phone number, any business card you have, I want you to make a list, and I want you to connect with every single one of those people. Because, look, I'm not a fan of a lion, LinkedIn, open network, I'm not a big fan of that, I don't disparage people that do it, I'm not a fan, but I'm also a fan of, of loose ties, right? Connect with all your loose ties, and your strong ties, or oh, we should say weak ties. Weak ties and strong ties, get them nailed. Get to 500 as quickly as you can, okay? So, week two, all right? So I said, shoot, I, we could get this done in a month at the rate we're going. So week two is what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to find three past bosses or work uh, peers or customers, and I want you to get at least three, preferably four, referrals or recommendations. Right or references that where they write something good about you, and I want you to get those in there. That's week two. Is that week two? Week three? I'm losing track already, but that's not the point. I think it's week two. Week three. <clears throat> I then want you to start thinking about uh, creating content. I want you to think about the types of blog posts or writing you can do because you're going to start creating pulse articles. One pulse article a month for the next 12 months. Here's why. That is your intellectual knowledge. That's your intellectual currency. What you know about your space, what you know about what you do, and you need to start teaching people about what it is you do and why you're great and what they can learn from you. When that's attached to a LinkedIn profile and someone can read and learn from you, that, that, turns it, that takes it to the whole new level. So start thinking about what makes you great and what you can teach people about your job and you're gonna start doing one Pulse article a month at the bare minimum so you can have at least 12 by the end of the year, okay? You do those things, you get those 500 connections, you get the references, you get the Pulse articles, you get the solid summary about your value proposition and boom, you're sitting there looking at a badass suit. Full on Armani, full on Hugo Boss. All right, and then the last thing, the recommendation people for skill sets. Create some, put some in there, and uh, put some in there, and get some people recommending you. I love them because here's the unique thing about it, right? This stupid thing's bleeping, it went out of battery. All right, GoPro's out of battery, no big deal. It's interesting to see what people recommend, what skills they recommend you for. Like, I don't see myself as a social media or a social selling guru. We don't offer it in my business. I don't do consulting around it, we don't have any products around it. I, I, don't consider my, I don't consider myself an expert. For some reason, the whole world does. All right, so great. It, it was interesting to learn that that's how people view me. Some of the other things that I do see myself as don't have as many recommendations for a skill set. So it's a good idea to get a feel for what you want people to recommend you as, and so put them in there, but also 
also how people view you. So that way you can get more recommendations across skill sets and get that thing filled up. So uh, Jahari's window, blind spot, check it out people. It talks about that very concept right there. So that's the way you build a, go from a JCPenney LinkedIn profile to a full-on badass Hugo Boss Armani. We just did it in 30 days. You can take 60, but the bottom line is just go get it done, okay? It's not gonna be that hard. Step-by-step -step process, nail it out, it's super important. So I think there we have it. Decent take today. I'm down. Max, you feeling good about it? Feeling good. All right, all right. So with that, the only thing I'm gonna throw, guys, oh, the word, the word. If you have been following me, you know we do a show called The Word. Every two weeks, we've had some great guests from Chris Brogan to Aaron Ross to Mark Rob uh, Roberger or Roberts. How do I always say I screwed up? Roberts. Mark Roberts. Uh, love you, my man. So, but man, the upcoming guests are just, we're going higher and higher and bigger and bigger. We've got Seth Levine, managing partner at the Foundry Group and partner with Brad Feld. Many of you uh, know those two, and if you don't, they are some of the best VCs in the country and the Foundry Group kills it. He's gonna be talking about startups and selling in startups, so that's gonna be the bomb. In addition to him, we've got uh, the authors of the new follow-on book to challenge a sale called The Challenger Customer. They're coming in, we got them coming up, and what I'm super excited for, the uh, author of the report, uh, the Dunning and Kruger effect, David Dunning, the idea that says unskilled and unaware. General premise people is we all have inflated senses of self and inflated senses of ability and that affects how we do things. So guys, the word is, is blown. We got some good stuff on and potentially another big guest we're excited about bringing on. We haven't nailed it down, but we're getting close. So the word, start following that. See you next Thursday. Give me some subscriptions here, peeps. I want to see them, want to make it happen. And in that note, hey, Keenan, you know where to find me. You shout out, I'll shout back. Peace, I'm out. You shout out, I shout back. My take on your questions. You got them, you ask them. Hit me up, hashtag, hey, Keenan. We'll rock it out. Until next time, peace, I'm out.